Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Well, hey, welcome back. I'm excited about getting into today's message in our series called Reset. Uh, We've been reading through, journeying through the book of Acts. And come on, if you're part of our friends and family Facebook group or you've been uh, receiving our text devotional, today is day 28. Come on, today's the last chapter in our in our June reading plan, reading through the book of Acts. And, and I believe what's happening is we're actually creating a framework to navigate through our world, both as individuals and as a church community. Week one, we talked about purpose, power, and people, right? God's given us a purpose. He's given us his power to reach people of every kind. And so that's what we want to be about. Last week, we talked about uh, worship, witness, and wonder. We want to be a community that first and foremost worships God, like front end, man. And that, that brings us into our witness, declaring the good news of Jesus. And then we see God do wonders. We see God do the miraculous. And, and in the book of Acts, we've seen God do exactly that, intervene and move on his people's behalf. But this week in this story, it's not exactly what happens. And so I want to slow down today and I just want to ask a big question. What what do we do when God doesn't do the miracle that we want him to do, that we expect him to do? Because I think if we can get the big ideas of the kingdom of God, these big things like purpose, power, and people, worship, witness, and wonder, if we can get those things and and really um, order our life around them, then we will have the, the foundation necessary to walk with God faithfully no matter what happens in our lives. And, and, and we zeroed in last week on this prayer at the end of chapter 4 where they pray four things. They say sovereign God, right? They, they begin their prayer in recognizing who God is. They worship. They say, Lord, let us in, in, enable us to speak boldly. And so they, they talked about their witness and they said, stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders. God, do, do wonders among us. And again, we said that's what we want our gatherings to be about. As we regather on July 12th and beyond, We want that time to be about worship, witness, and wonder. And and we want those three things to characterize our experiences as a church community. And so today we're we're going back into chapter 6. We looked at chapter 6 a couple of weeks ago. We were introduced to a guy named Stephen who's full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, who along with six other people have been selected to lead the food distribution ministry. And it says in 6 and 7, verses 6 and 7 of chapter 6, that that once they were put in place, the message spread and the numbers increased rapidly. And then what happens in chapter 6 and all of chapter 7 is we focus in on Stephen's story. And that's what I want to do today is focus in on Stephen's story because I think there are some things that we can walk away with that are going to help us get through seasons when it feels like God's not doing what we've been asking him to do. So if you have a Bible, open it up, Acts chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 8, and then uh, we're going to jump into 7. I'm going to hit a couple verses, and then we're going to end with the end of the chapter. So here we go, verse verse 8 of chapter 6. 
Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. So what's happening here is Stephen uh, is full of the Spirit. God is all over his life, and wonders are happening through him. God's doing the miraculous through Stephen. And because of that, he faces, he comes face to face with opposition. But it's opposition from the Jews who were like him. Did you see that? Like, these are not the Jerusalem Jews. These are the Greek Jews. These are Jews like Stephen. But Luke tells us, like, they were no match for the wisdom that God had given Stephen. And so in verses 11 through 15, they, they end up concocting a plan. They, they devise a plan. They're going to lie on Stephen. They're going to accuse him of blasphemy. They're going to make up all these things. And in verse 15, it says, as they're accusing him in this accusation, Stephen's face looked like the face of an angel, which I kind of thought about, like, how do they know what an angel looks like? How do they know what the face of it? Do they have a lot of experience looking at angels' faces. Was that a common experience in those days? I don't know. But but that's how Luke chapter 6 ends, is, is Stephen's face is glowing like the face of an angel. Then we get to chapter 7, verse 1. The high priest asks Stephen, are these charges true? And then for the next 50 verses, Stephen goes in to a gospel message where he, he is retracing the, the history of the salvation of the people of Israel, the people of God. He goes all the way back to Abraham and Moses and Joshua and David. And then in verse 51, verse 51, he looks at them and come on, this is, this is tough. He looks at them and he says, you stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Now, come on. How do you think that message went over in the crowd? Like, how, how do you think that was received? Not good, right? And in the next few verses, from a human perspective, it's about to go all wrong. Verse 54 says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. I don't know exactly, like, you know, what is that? What was happening in the crowd that day? Maybe somebody had a little too much coffee or something. But, but they got riled up, verse 55, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, again, wants us to know, Luke wants us to know, Stephen's full of the Holy Spirit. He looks up to heaven. And he sees the glory of God. And he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And Stephen, verse 56, he says, Look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And what we see here in, in, in the next few verses is the paradox of the plan of God. It's the it's the difficult to understand what in the world God is doing in this moment. Because here's Stephen, right? Full of the Holy Spirit, 
signs and wonders happening through his life and his ministry. He's confronting opposition. He's, he's standing up for God. And you would think this is a perfect time, God, for you to do that stretch your hand thing forward, right? Like stretch your hand, do some sign, like just transport Stephen out of here. But that's not what happens. And, and, we, and we see Jesus, right? What does Jesus do? Jesus is standing up. Maybe it's because he's about to do something. But then look what, verse 57. It says that this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their lungs, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And I know what you're thinking because every time I read this story, I think the same thing. I'm like, wait a second. That's not what's supposed to happen here. That's not how the story's supposed to go. This is the part where Jesus, he's already stood up. Now he needs to step in and he needs to do something. Stephen, Stephen is standing up for Jesus. Jesus is standing up for Stephen, but why isn't he doing anything? And then verses 59 and 60, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen dies with the rocks pelting his head, pelting his chest right there outside the city in the street. He dies. And God lets it all go down just the way Luke tells us. He doesn't, God doesn't step in and do a wonder. God doesn't step in and do some kind of miracle. And we read it. And it doesn't look fair and it doesn't seem, why didn't God just deliver him? Why didn't God do something? He, he broke the apostles out of jail in chapter 5. Doesn't Stephen, doesn't, doesn't he matter just as much as Peter and John and all the others? I mean, they just prayed. They just prayed, enable us to speak your word boldly and stretch out your hand to do signs and wonders. Well, Stephen is enabled to speak boldly. So why isn't God stretching out his hand to bring deliverance, to rescue Stephen? It doesn't seem fair and it doesn't seem right. But I think, I think there are three miracles that happen in this story. It might not be the miracle that we wanted. It might not be the miracle that we prayed for. But if we look closely enough, I believe in every story, and particularly this one, there are three miracles that fall out in this passage. And that's what I want to share with you real briefly this morning. Miracle number one, uh, look at this. Stephen died with an extraordinary measure of God's favor and power on his life. Come on, I think that's miraculous. Did you see there at the end? When they're hitting him, hitting him with rocks and they're, they're stoning him, he's speaking words of forgiveness. He's, how do you do that? How do you, how do you ask God to forgive your enemy when your enemy is literally killing you right in the moment? You do it because of the supernatural power of God. And where did Stephen learn that? He learned that in the example of Jesus. Doesn't it, isn't it interesting that Stephen's words as they're killing him sound a lot like Jesus's words when he's on the cross? And when we look at Stephen's life, we see just, just this ridiculous grace and favor resting on him. And Stephen, 
because of this grace, refused to allow himself to be labeled a victim. He wasn't, he, he, he wasn't a victim of, the, of this Jewish faction that was stoning him. He refused to be a victim. Just like Jesus refused to be a victim, Stephen is not a victim. He has the victory in Jesus. And in Jesus, our story has been linked to his story, to Jesus' story, so we can have the victory in any moment, no matter what happens, whether the stones hit us or whether they just crumble in midair, we can have the victory. Jesus wasn't a victim. Jesus is the one who said, no one has the power to take my life from me. I lay it down. And the same resurrection power that was on Jesus's life is resting on Stephen's life. And as the rocks are pelting his temples, he's still caring for the people around him. And his compassion is still looking out for people. And he's not freaking out. He's not, he's not like losing his mind and, and he's not worrying. He's not, he's trusting God right in the middle of the worst day of his life, the last day of his life. And he's saying, he's saying, God, these people, God, these people, they don't know what they're doing. They, they, they don't know what I know. Lord, would you please have mercy on them? Friend, come on. That is extraordinary, supernatural, triumphant grace resting on Stephen's life. That's a miracle right there. Miracle number two, three miracles that I see that fall out of this story. Number two is that Stephen was transported into heaven. Did you see that? Did you see that in the, in the, in the story? He, he, saw into, he saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus see, standing at the right hand of the Father. That's amazing. Now, now come on, I love I love miracle stories that, that, that go something like, you know, the doctor said I wasn't going to make it. The report said I wasn't going to live, but I walked out of the front of the hospital and I've never looked back. Like, I love those stories. I shout at those stories. I praise God for those stories. Those are awesome. But come on, don't discount this truth. If you don't walk out the front door of the hospital, there's a good chance Jesus will tear the roof off, send some angels to escort you into the very presence of God. That's amazing. And, and what blows my mind is in the New Testament, in the New Testament, we see Jesus every time seated at the right hand of God the Father. In every story, Jesus is at the right hand, but in every one except this one about Stephen, he's seated in the position of authority, the position of power, the position of equal stature with God the Father. He's seated. But here for Stephen, Jesus stands. And, and I don't, okay, I'll be honest. I don't know why. And Bible scholars, they, they, they said, they're like, we don't really know why. But I've got a sneaking suspicion that when the saints of God come to the end of their journey, 
wherever they are, whatever situation has brought them there, the one seated at the right hand of the Father stands in honor of the sons and daughters of God. And Stephen, man, he's there on the, on the edge of life itself and he sees heaven open, which is just an amazing, amazing sight. And the stones are crushing him and breath is leaving his body and he opens his eyes and he sees his Savior, his Redeemer, his Lord welcoming him into the presence of the Father. And that's amazing. And come on, as a pastor, I can tell you, I have been blessed to be in the room in a moment like that. I, maybe you have too, and, and it, maybe you've been there, and maybe it's been like a grandma or a grandpa or a mom or dad or just just you know a, somebody, and, and you're in the hospital room or you're in the bedroom, and this son or daughter of God is passing from life to death into life with God, and, and they look past you, and they're like, who's that? And, and people look around in the room and maybe you're the only one in there or maybe it's the whole family and you're like, nobody else is in the room, but somebody else is in the room. You know what I mean? And it's like somebody has just come into the room to escort this child of God into the presence of the Father. And friends, that is amazing. And we can't, we don't want to discount and miss out on that miracle because it didn't look like the miracle that we wanted and that we had prayed for. Number three, the third thing that happens as a result of this story is the church explodes. The church enters into an, um, a, 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 just an exponential season of church growth. Look at this, verse one of chapter eight. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all, the, uh, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's a bad day. No, it's, that's a great day. They, were, they, they scattered for safety and security. And you want to know where they went? They went to Judea and Samaria. Do you remember Acts chapter 1? That's the plan. That's been the plan all along. Jerusalem, check. We've, 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 we've preached the gospel and the high priest has heard the good news of Jesus Christ. But, but here's the thing about us still today as Christians, we're not that great at moving out of our comfort zone. And so what happens is God takes what the enemy meant for evil and he uses it for good. The enemy wanted persecution to come and kill the church, but God used persecution to scatter the church, not as victims, but as victors in Christ. Look at verse four. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Wherever they went, whatever happened, what did they not lose sight of? Purpose, power, and people. We've been given the purpose of God. He's filled us with his power to reach people. So if we get scattered, well, bless God, we're going to preach the gospel wherever they go, wherever we end up. And listen, we're going to get into that next week. But, and, 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 and all of that, the church exploding, it doesn't trivialize the pain of losing Stephen. Because in, in verse 2 of chapter 8, it actually says that they mourned deeply for Stephen. But what it does tell me is that we can experience heartbreak and sorrow, and it doesn't have to stop the mission. We can experience heartbreak, hurt, 
sorrow, pain, and not hit pause on the mission of God. So where does that leave us? In answering the question, in answering the question, what do we do when God doesn't do the miracle that we had asked for? And I think it, it goes back to that, that prayer we looked at last week. I think it's a simple path. I think it's worship, witness, and wonder. And listen, like I said earlier, if those stones crumble in midair, if they leave their hand and, and as they're flying, they just turn to dust, you know, praise God. That's awesome. But even if they don't, we are still victors in Christ. And because of our victory in Christ, because of Jesus Christ, the, uh, he can, the, the glory of God can erupt in the people around us. And I, I, I want to leave us with three takeaways, three things. So what do we do? What do we do when God doesn't do the miracle we prayed for, but does the miracle instead of, of what, he, what he wants to do? I think there are three things that we can take away. Number one, I think we ask for signs and wonders. Yeah. Listen, it's okay. Listen to me. Look, look at me right here on your screen. Lock eyes with me. It's okay to ask God to do a miracle in your life. It is okay to ask God to do the miracle. It's okay. Look at me right here. You got me? It's okay to seek after signs and wonders. You hear me? We don't have to feel guilty. That is not offensive to the heart of God. To seek after the miracle power, of, that is not offensive to him. He even told us, he said, he said, we have not, you have not because you ask not. Listen, I don't want to be in that camp, <laughs> you know? I don't want to get to heaven one day and, and be like, hey God, um, you know, there was this miracle that I really was hoping you would do. And he'd be like, well, you never asked. Oh, you remember that line, you have not because you ask not? Yeah, well, you didn't ask. I was ready to do it. I, I, I would have I been happy to do it. But, but you are so caught up in thinking that it was going to be offensive to my heart if you ask for me to intervene that and do it. So come on, like in Jesus' name with confidence and boldness, we can ask God for signs and wonders to accompany the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. To, to, to happen in our worship experience, like that is, that is okay. I want you to hear me say that. Number two, second takeaway from this is, um, is to surrender to the sovereign plan of God. Now, I know you might be like, wait a second. Pastor Josh is, is talking out of both sides of his mouth. Like, like what? Like ask God to, to intervene and do the miraculous, but also surrender to the sovereign plan of God. Like those two things seem at odds. And, and listen, no, they're not. Those two things are not at war with each other. This is, not, this is not an either or. This is a both and. Lord, I'm going to ask you to do this miracle. And I'm going to ask you to do the miracle that brings you the most glory. That brings you the most glory. By the way, like the, the grace to suffer well is also a miracle. The grace, to, that's what we saw in Stephen's life, this triumphant grace that could allow him to pray for his enemies while his enemies were killing him. Because here's the deal, y'all. In this life, we're going to have hardship. We're going to have difficulty. And we have the opportunity not just to escape the suffering, but through the Holy Spirit to suffer well. And if we swing the pendulum all the way to, well, everybody gets healed every time, what it does is it robs us 
of the opportunity to offer God a worship, to glorify God in the midst of the trial. And there's a, there's a, there's a type of worship, there's a flavor of worship that we can only offer on this side of eternity. There's a, there's a, it's just like when we die well, when we suffer well and praise God anyhow, man, that is a miracle. And that's undeniable. That is undeniable to the world that Jesus is alive. Number three, third takeaway is, um, is as I think we, we refuse to bury the lead. Refu- no matter what happens, whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, we have to raise the volume of the gospel above the narrative of the circumstance. That at the end there, where they're burying Stephen, they don't bury the lead. Hey, we're going to bury Stephen. We're going to scatter, but whenever we scatter, we're going to preach the gospel because the gospel is the headline. Jesus is the headline. It's all, only, and always Jesus. It's not, listen, friend, it's not, oh my goodness, we had to, and it was so hard, and it was difficult, and man, it's such a burden and a difficulty to, to serve and honor God. No, it's Man, what a joy to live with purpose and power for the people. And, and what, a, what a joy to live in the power and the authority and the victory of Jesus. In any circumstance, in any situation, I get to live in the power of the Spirit for a broken world to know that Jesus is alive. So we don't bury the headline. We don't bury the headline. We keep preaching Jesus, more Jesus, all Jesus. It's Jesus and nothing but Jesus. No matter what happens, we refuse to bury the lead. So come on, let me pray for you this morning. And, uh, and, and as we wrap up with just, just a word of, uh, a moment of worship, like let's enter into the presence of God. Let's ask for miracles. Let's surrender to the sovereign will of God. And let's determine, I'm, I refuse to bury the lead. Come on, Lord, we thank you today. In this story, God, this is a heartbreaking story. And this is a, this is a hard one for us to read. Lord, we see Stephen. He loved you. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was, a, he was righteous, God. He, he saw into, like all of these things, and yet he still suffered. He still was stoned. He was still a martyr. And so, God, we look at that, and sometimes we recognize that we don't always get the miracle that we're praying for, but we always get a miracle. And so, God, this morning, give us eyes to see into the situation what you're doing, what you're up to, so that we can bring you the praise that we can only offer on this side of eternity. Lord, we're never never going to stop asking you to do the impossible, asking you to do signs and wonders. But we will, God, surrender to your your sovereign, sovereign will, recognizing, God, that the lead story in our lives, our lives are are no longer our own. The lead story in my life and our life, God, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, as we worship you one more time this morning, God, would you just do a work in us? And God, speak to us and minister to us this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, 
You can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.